This is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am chief. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. I'm Jason Garcia, and this is Faithful Sayings. Well, good morning, and thanks for tuning in. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today to begin our study, Acts chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to Acts chapter 2. I'm uh, looking forward to studying with you today, as always, and invite you to visit our website at leonvalleychurch.org and look at the resources that we have there to aid in your study. Or if you have a question that you'd like to submit, you can do that as well from our website, and it'll shoot us an email automatically after you put in your question and uh, hit the send button. So uh, please feel free to contact us in, in that way. I want to talk about being a member of a local church this morning, and I want each of us to ask ourselves, um, are we a member of a local church? And if not, why not? And if we are, well, then why have we chosen the church of which we are a member? And the first thing that I want to take a look at with you this morning from Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 is is to notice that when the people in Acts chapter 2 first obeyed the gospel, they were not a member of a local church by default, but they were a member of the Lord's church. And so there's this there's two senses in which this idea or the use of church appears in the New Testament. So there's the church in the universal sense, and there's the church in the local sense, right? So we see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 the, the universal one as people were being baptized there from all over the world. Remember that the Jews had come to Jerusalem for the Pentecost feast and or the feast of first fruits and Peter is there and he's and the other apostles they're speaking in different languages as the Holy Spirit empowered them to and Peter is preaching the first sermon ever to these people the first gospel sermon uh, that is and he's telling them about Jesus and some of them standing there were actually local people of course and they had been involved in the crucifixion of Christ and it says after Peter was done here in verse 37 that when they heard this, that is Peter's message about Jesus, who they had crucified, it says in verse 37 that they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter is telling them what they should do in response to this, and the promise is, is that they can be forgiven, even though as we all are guilty of various sins before God that condemn us, Peter says, you do this, you obey the gospel in submitting to him in repentance and obedience to baptism, be immersed in water, and you can be forgiven. And so many of them did. It says in verse 41, those who had received his word they were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. And we continue reading about their activities and their fellowship with one another, and they're working together and listening to gospel preaching and teaching. And it says in verse 46 that they were day by day continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Uh, so verse 47 tells us that it's it's God who adds to his church when people decide to, when whoever, man or woman, decides to submit to him in obedience, acknowledge our sin, and repent of our sin, 
he and, and obey him, we, he promises forgiveness through the blood of Christ and adds us to his number. And that number is referring to the church. If you were to continue reading into the next chapters, you would see that this group of people, uh, the, the number that's being spoken of here is the same number in those chapters. And that's the church, the universal church. And these people were from all over the place, all over the world. And eventually they went back to where they had come from uh, in Acts chapter 7 when persecution broke out against the Christians and um, disciples were scattered scattered everywhere. And that just all that did was just prompt uh, further teaching of, of the truth and spreading the gospel even, even more throughout the world. Uh, but the point stands, and the point that we're making from this text is that uh, simply by obeying the gospel, we are part of God's people. We become part of his church, but we are not members of a local church like, for example, the church in Corinth or the church in Thessalonica or the church in Ephesus or the church in Jerusalem. Right? There were local churches all over the place in the ancient world. But uh, people had to identify with those local churches. In other words, they had to make it known. They had to take the initiative and go to wherever those people were assembling, those Christians were assembling and meeting on a regular basis, as we're commanded to in the Bible, and make it known to those brethren, make it known to those other Christians and disciples that I want to be part of this. I want to be part of your local group here. You know, and in some places and in cities that are big enough, there's more than one church. There could be several local churches. And so if we're going to be a member of the church in the local sense, like a member of the church here at Leon Valley, for instance, uh, how do we do that? How does one become a member? And that's what I want to think about with you this morning. What are the implications of that? Uh, What responsibilities does that entail? Am I commanded to be a member of a local church, which I believe the Bible is... Uh, assumes that, and and yes, is giving us by implication the command to do so, and that's by God's design that Christians, wherever they are in the world, that they assemble together with other Christians in their locale to worship God, to encourage and build up one another, and engage in those acts of worship that we read about in the New Testament that we see the very first Christians and engaged in and doing, and. You know, Paul, take for example, Paul here from the outset, he was, you know, an inspired apostle by the Holy Spirit. He was chosen to be uh, that apostle and fulfill that role. And he understood himself the importance of being a member of a local church from the beginning. You know, in Acts chapter 9, we read after his conversion, you remember Paul, who was confronted by Jesus in person on the road to Damascus as he was in the midst of persecuting the church and, and the brethren and imprisoning them and putting them to death, as he did with Stephen in, in Acts chapter 7, you know, he's, he's confronted and he, by Jesus, and he obeys when he, gets to, when he gets to Damascus. And when Paul is baptized, he is, not, he is now a member of the, the universal church, but he didn't become a member of the local church in Damascus or anywhere else, uh, though he did continue to teach there. For some time, but when he returns to Jerusalem, look at what the text says in Acts chapter nine. It says that when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. And so, if you're reading from the ESV, it says that he attempted to join. He attempted to join the disciples. So here's a man who's a Christian, and he's come to 
Jerusalem where there are other Christians who know him by reputation. They're not they're not sure about Paul. They know that you know he's been putting us to death and imprisoning us and they know him by reputation and they don't want anything to do with him. And so they are resisting his membership, if you will, his desire to join them in their work. But of course Barnabas who knows him stands up for him and speaks of what he's been doing and how he's uh, his conversion experience on the road to Damascus and how uh, Jesus himself confronted him and he was uh, convicted and obeyed the gospel and then the church uh, accepts him into their number and it says that he if you look down further he was uh, moving about freely in Jerusalem with them speaking out boldly in the name uh, of Jesus and your text might say he went in and out among them in Jerusalem and so now he has this local church membership we might say he is now part of the church in Jerusalem he is associated with them he has joined them he meets with them he is working together with them in teaching the gospel in in Jerusalem and that's an example to us you know he took the initiative and that's what each of us has to do you know it's it's not going to happen by default that we decide to obey the gospel and then all of a sudden we're a member of a local church somewhere. No, we're a member of the Lord's church, to be sure, the Church of Christ, the universal church. He adds us to his number. Our name is registered in heaven, as the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 12. But we are not yet a member of a local church. And that local church membership is important. It's key to our service in in the kingdom. You know, this was something that God deliberately put in order so that we could be counted among people and his people in a locale and work together with them. So let's talk more about God's expectations now and why it is we see in the scripture that he has set up his kingdom this way. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that the kingdom of God, that his church is made up of a bunch of smaller churches. That's not what I'm saying at all. There's only one church and it's composed of individuals, as we saw in Acts chapter 2, who obey the gospel wherever they are in the world. And uh, it's composed of individuals who are even in in heaven. There are many saints who are in heaven who are part of the church. Uh, They are part of the kingdom, the same as the people here on earth who obey the gospel of God, the gospel of the kingdom, and become part of the kingdom. Uh, But um, that's not uh, to say that, you know, local churches... Um, make up the kingdom, and there's a, there's there's a difference because that leads to kind of a uh, a lions club concept of the church, if you will. That if you know if we're just going to say that the the church of God, the entire kingdom of God, is made up of congregations or local churches, uh, then that leads us to think that well, if I'm just associated with a certain building, then you know I just check my name off the list and then I'm I'm good to go. Well, no, the, the Scripture is making it clear that there's a, a a register in heaven, if you will, or a roster in heaven, and there's local church directories and rosters. And we want you know, the names that are in the local church registry to be the ones, the same ones that are registered in heaven. But that is not always the case, sadly. We see in Scripture, and we know from experience and, and history. So just being a member of a local church does not make one a member of the kingdom of God. And that's why there's this distinction, this important distinction we have to make, uh, that individuals compose the kingdom of Christ, not uh, simply congregations or being part of a congregation. So what does God ex- expect? You, you know, we are, Once we become a Christian and we want to join a local church so we can fulfill his, 
his pattern as he has put before us. Uh, we have a responsibility to one another and not merely in the sense of accountability. You know, we each of us has a different skill set to offer in teaching or leading or uh, even giving is one of the things that is named. And the point is, is that everyone can serve and contribute in some way. And so God has brought his people together to complement one another, to to build up one another, to work together in his kingdom, whether that be, uh, you know, in, in our day and age of technology, setting up like sound or video equipment or installing screens and things like this or preparing the Lord's Supper for um, part- its partaking in uh, the assembly on Sunday, creating websites. That's a that's a much needed skill in the kingdom to get the word out or to get the um, knowledge out about a, a local church in an area, cleaning the building even when it needs to be done, that's that's a way that we can serve. And so we can ask ourselves, what can I offer to, uh, to, to, to serve here? Romans 12, verses 4 through 8, you know, touch on this a little bit. There's several texts which speaks, speak to this point. 1 Corinthians 12 is another one, by the way. But this is Romans 12 and verse 4. Paul says that just as we have many members in one body... And all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, and he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so it, I don't believe that's an exhaustive list because Paul mentions other things in, uh, in other places, but and Peter does as, as, as well. Uh, but Paul's point and Peter's point is that everybody can serve, and we have to serve to the glory of God. And, and the way in which we do that is certainly on an individual basis and day-to-day in our lives as we, as we go about uh, doing whatever our vocation is or uh, whatever we, whatever role we find ourselves in, maybe we're retired or whatever. But in in the local church, there's any number of things that need to be done, and we are called to fulfill, called to fulfill those things. You know, there's, um, you know, for example, at Leon Valley, there's leaders that develop a duty roster, uh, and they make it available at the beginning of each month, and that's you know that's a list of responsibilities for the men who are going to be taking a, a leading role in the worship assembly. So do we, you know, take that seriously? Would we look at that and see when we're scheduled to lead, sing, or teach so that we could prepare accordingly? Uh, or do we make arrangements for someone to fill in if we know that we're going to be out of town? Uh, those are responsibilities that aren't to be taken aren't to be taken lightly. But it's it's one of the things that we can do to to serve. And we so we shouldn't take our service lightly. And so this, you know, all of that naturally, I think, falls under the topic of uh, attendance, you know, just the, the point of, of showing up. You know, the first step in fulfilling our duty to one another, when we see in the Scripture that, okay, I do need to be a member of a local church. I need to join myself to a local body, just like Paul did when he came to Jerusalem, and, and he did wherever he went in, in the world. Um, if I If I do that, well, then that's the first step, and then... I have to follow through and, and do these, do these other things, and I have to show up, right? The most I have to show up to, to do that. And Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five is, you know, a much cited text on this topic because I, well, I I think appropriately so because it speaks to this 
uh, very issue. Uh, so Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Remember, this was written to a group of folks, to some Christians who were um, having a difficult time uh, by their own choosing. I think if you look at Hebrews chapter 5, they had regressed to a point. Now, that's not to say they weren't being persecuted or anything because they were. The text makes that clear also that they were regressing because of some external pressure by perhaps uh, uh, their Jewish brethren or perhaps just, you know, the world. And I think civil authorities are um, implicated in this this text in chapter 10, I believe, because their property was being taken away and things like this. And so, you know, they were discouraged, They were, but they were allowing this discouragement to take them to a place to, um, to, to regress spiritually, and they were falling away, and they were in danger of apostasy. And the Hebrew writer warns against that in chapter 6, and again in chapter 10, uh, where we are here, just a, a little bit further down in the context. But this is what he says to, to these brethren, who were these Christians, in whatever locale they were in, um, what, what they needed to do with regard to their assembling together. So this is important. So he says, let us hold fast, this is verse 23, of Hebrews 10, he says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so, a key part of this encouraging one another and um, stimulating one another to love and good deeds, building up one another. A key part of that, he says, was being part of the assembly. He says, don't forsake to assemble. Don't uh, forsake to uh, meet together with your brethren because uh, some had fallen into that habit, as he says there. That's the habit of some. They're shirking the assembly. They're not, they're not stepping up and showing up, first of all, to the assembly so that they can fulfill these tasks which we all have to do as Christians, the responsibilities that we have to one another to encourage and, and build up. So uh, they were warned against drifting from the truth at the very beginning of the book in Hebrews chapter 2 and, and verse 1. And they were warned against developing an evil heart of unbelief that falls away from the living God in, in chapter 3 and verse 12. And they were rebuked for their dullness of hearing, Hebrews five eleven, and they were told repeatedly to be patient and to be bold until the very end. Until the very end. So, in, in light of these things, you know, and that, and that is just a kind of a sweeping view of the larger context of the Hebrew letter. You know, in light of these things, you know, it's to these people the writer is saying, "Don't forsake the assembly." So, do you think all these issues were interrelated? Absolutely. You know, they were drifting from the truth. And, and falling in danger of falling away from the living God and, and dull of hearing because they had been negligent. Uh, one of the reasons for those things is because they had been negligent in their meeting together and assembling together. And so we can see how dangerous and how important it is for us to do this. You know, it, not simply just because it's commanded, it is, as we see here in Hebrews 10. Uh, but we're only hurting ourselves. We're only hurting ourselves if we um, think that we can be a kind of fringe Christian or a maverick Christian and uh, we don't have to go to church, quote-unquote. Uh, well, that's a misunderstanding biblically of what the what the church is. You know, again, the church is the people. 
right? People can compose the church. It's not just the building. The building is just there as a matter of convenience or, or, or the home or the place underneath the tree out in the field or wherever it is that the Christians meet, right? It's just, it's just a place. Christians are the church, and we have to come together to support one another. We have that responsibility. We have the responsibility to our elders, and the Hebrew writer speaks to that too, to submit to leadership. And, and those who watch out for your souls. And so in God's design within a local church, he has made it so that there are qualified men who serves who serve as elders or who serve as bishops. You know, it's the same um, the same office, just a different name that's used throughout the scripture, elder bishop and uh, shepherd, things like this. So overseer is another term that's used. but they're all referring to the same person. And um, the scripture is teaching that we have a responsibility to them under their oversight that we need to submit to them and and follow their leadership if they are Im- indeed imitating Christ and leading according to uh, what the scripture says. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls." as those who will give an account, and let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. And so we we can make their job very difficult and, and grieve them, or we can submit to their leadership and let them do it with, with joy. So we have to resolve within ourselves that I'm going to be, I'm not going to be someone who the leadership brings their hands over. I'm going to be committed to this work, and I'm going to look for opportunities to serve so that they don't lose sleep over me and they're not worried about my spiritual well-being because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. We have that responsibility to them. We have a responsibility to give. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Give of our means as we have been prospered each first day of the week. Whether that means putting money in a basket or putting money in the plate as it goes around to put into the church treasury to use uh, for the furtherance of the gospel or relief of needy saints and to build up the brethren. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that as I should if I'm not showing up, right? Because Paul is clear that it's a, a it's a weekly observance. It's a weekly commitment each first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 17. You know, I have a responsibility to partake of the Lord's Supper. And nowhere in the New Testament do we find individual an individual Christian partaking of the Lord's Supper by himself. It's always with the assembly. It's the reason that Paul stayed in Troas when he was on his way to Jerusalem, Acts 20 and verse 7. He stayed there to partake of the Lord's Supper with those with those brethren when they met on the first day of of the week. We have a responsibility to teach and admonish one another in song, especially Colossians three, sixteen and seventeen, Ephesians five uh, tell us that as well, Ephesians five nineteen. And so how are we going to do that? You know, who's going to hear us sing if we're singing at home? Right. So we have this is talking about a congregational participation and being there amongst other Christians so that we can uh, exhort them, teach them, admonish them through music and through song. We have a responsibility to study God's word together. Ephesians, excuse me, First Timothy four, thirteen. Paul wanted Timothy to give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Now, what good was that going to do if Timothy didn't have an audience? And so you see, Paul assumes the Christians in Ephesus, where Timothy was, were going to come together again on Sunday and hear the, God's word read and taught. And so we have all these, in the, you know, the list could go on and on. We have all these responsibilities. So what are we doing 
what are we really doing when we refuse to join a local church or when we, or if we are a member of a local church when we refuse to join an assembly we're forsaking an opportunity to do each and every one of these things that we're called to fulfill. We're forsaking the opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper. We're forsaking an opportunity to worship our God with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We forsake an opportunity to encourage and edify, edify our brothers and sisters. We're forsaking the opportunity to study God's Word with our brethren. We're forsaking an opportunity to grow spiritually. And I want you to ask yourself, is there any Christian who is a better Christian for missing out on any of those things? No, of course not. So we have to get involved. We have to make the decision and be proactive and take the initiative just like Paul did and join ourselves to a local body of God's people, not just any local church. There's tons of local churches, right? Not all of them teach the same thing and they contradict one another. Uh, that's because they have different views of what the Bible teaches. But Paul is very clear that there is a right and a wrong way to handle the Word of God, 2 Timothy 2.15. So which one of those is accurately handling the Word of truth? You have to make that decision for yourself. I believe we are here at Leon Valley, and I invite you to investigate for yourself. But if you're not a member of a local church, you need to be. And you need to show up. And I'm not saying that attendance, that showing up is is just unequivocal proof of someone's faithfulness. I don't want you to understand me to say that, um, if that's what you've been hearing. That if you know if I show up and my attendance is sound, well, then everything's good. No, that's that's not the point that I'm making. Even though I will say attendance is a good index of one's faithfulness because when somebody is struggling with their faith, the first thing to drop off is their attendance, typically. They don't want to be around their brethren. But my point is, is that as the church, we must worship collectively and to remember the death of our Lord, encourage and edify one another. And in order to accomplish these things, we have to get involved. We must be involved if we're going to grow as a church, spiritually and numerically. So what are some reasons that you have failed to identify with the local church? It may be that you live in an area where a church is yet to be planted, and you're the only Christians, maybe you and your family. Well, that's not the case here. As I mentioned, I believe Leon Valley is a sound congregation that handles the Word of God correctly and is teaching the truth. And so you can come and assemble with us. I invite you to do that. I hope that you will. You know, But if we ever find ourselves in a situation where you know, we maybe we are the only Christians in, in an area. Well, then we have that doesn't excuse us from assembling. We still have to meet in our homes or, or somewhere to try and plant a church and win as many souls as possible and do the work in that community. Maybe you're one of those folks who has been thinking of themselves perhaps as kind of a rogue Christian or a maverick Christian. You know, you you you're not beholden to any any local church. And the folks that I've encountered who wear that label, and unfortunately they tend to wear it proudly for whatever reason, even though that's not part of the biblical pattern, the folks in my experience that I've encountered are that way because they're just so inflexible and so opinionated that they can't stand the idea of having to submit to someone else's leadership. And so they isolate themselves because they haven't learned to cooperate with the brethren. 
Uh, and some folks just don't have any desire to be held responsible for their conduct. You know, that's one of the things that you're that you're each of us has to to face up, face up to and embrace really and want is to be held responsible and accountable. But if we're people who don't want to hear from Christians or elders about when we've shirked our responsibility and we're forsaking the assembly or we're or we're trapped in sin, uh, then obviously we're not going to want to be overseen by overseers. We're not going to want that responsibility, so we're not going to be joining a local church. And that's sinful, and that's the wrong attitude. And I, I hope that you're not in any one of those categories, uh, I, and I hope that you're convicted as I am convicted that we be part of a local church, identify with a local church just as Paul did, and just as I think we see assumed across the pages of the New Testament. Right When Paul wrote to Ephesus or Thessalonica or Philippi or Corinth, he knew that there were brethren there. He knew that he was writing to a local church. And he called them to individual action. He called them to collective action. But he understood, and first century Christians understood, that they weren't just a loose collection of folks wherever they were who just came together whenever they got a chance or whenever it was convenient in the middle of the week because that's what everybody else was doing. No. They did it because they understood it was a command and that their very lives depended upon it. And so do ours. I, I choose to associate with the Leon Valley Church of Christ and be a member there because I understand, first of all, my responsibility to God to worship Him with His people and assemble on the first day of the week that He has set aside for worship. And I understand my responsibility to my brethren, to my brethren in Christ to encourage and admonish them continually. And I hope you do too. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.